Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Donald Kelly's career has always revolved around his customers. Whether his role was an account executive, marketing coordinator, or sales consultant, Donald was interacting with people. It makes sense then that he would start a company called The Sales Evangelist. He started his business in 2015, and now his work life revolves around workshops, keynote presentations, and sales team training to both individuals and executives. Here today to talk about his business, the tools he can't live without, and his book is Donald Kelly. Donald, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Sanjay. I appreciate it. So uh, I'm excited to have you on because uh, sales is like w- probably one of the most critical pieces um, for any entrepreneur, any founder when they're starting out because, uh, I mean, like that's the deal from day one, right? Um, but before we get into that and like all those little ticks and tips and tricks that you're going to share with us, um, I'd love to, for you to give us a little bit about your background and what got you to this point sure. in your career. Yeah, started off as a kid. I grew up in Jamaica, moved to the States. And the reason why I bring that up, because it's just, it's a pivotal part of my story and journey. Um, My family always, everyone around my family always saw them selling, uh, but I didn't know it was sales. It was just being a businessman, as we would say in the islands. And I came to the state with that mentality when I was a nine-year-old, that if you want to get an opportunity, you just go out and you start doing stuff, you create it. And um, so I started, was selling candy and then spring uh, springtime, I was a person creating a little, you know, spring cleaning business with friends and community people and trying to find ops um, opportunity. So when I went to college, my buddies were like, you should consider a job in sales. And I'm like, what's sales? I just thought sales was being an entrepreneur. Um, and then I uh, eventually got into um, into selling, um, did uh, Dish Network over the phone. Then from there, did some timeshare, eventually got into tech sales and IT and uh, just loved it. Um, and I started a podcast in 2012, which gained some into attention, got mentioned in, uh, into, uh, entrepreneur magazine, Inc. Magazine, HuffPost. And, uh, we leveraged that for some local publications as well. And it just kind of grew the brand. Um, and it's just me kind of doing stuff on the side here, just coaching, um, doing, doing podcasts and coaching and 2015, it just made sense to leave the full-time gig and to, uh, uh, to continue just the you know coaching and guiding individuals and teams and it's been a fun fun process since and uh, little by little growing and we have some things in place to help us get to a higher level now so it's been fun so uh, I want to step back for one second um, you mentioned candy I, I have this conversation with a lot of our guests um, and and I did this too uh, where uh, I, it was basically candy bar arbitrage where I, I would hmm. take candy bars to school when I was a kid uh, and sell them to other kids for more than what it cost me 
to buy them at the convenience store. Uh, and then for me, at least I would use that, that difference to, to fund the next round, but also I would use the money to buy comic books. Um, did you do candy? Because you mentioned candy sales. Did you do candy bar arbitrage like that? Or did you do it something, something different? No, totally like that. Um, what I did was Albertsons, big shout out to them. They would have sales um, every so often on Reese's bar. And those times made it, made, uh, the Reese's cups, and those made it really lucrative because it was a big, the one with the two Reese's, the sort of bigger ones. Yep. And they would sell them for, uh, I think it was like uh, four, four bucks, so 25 cents each. So I could at least sell that for 50 cents and I can make you know my money back there um, that way. And then um, I would, uh, there's another convenience uh convenience store um just around a corner and they had Laffy Taffy but they sell it at they sold it at a really like reduced rate in comparison to most of those places so I could go there and buy them and then I could sell those as well double the price and uh, those two are my main sources um and I, I contemplated the Sam's Club idea and you know getting the big box there <laughs> but I didn't need it um because I was thanks to my local Albertsons and the corner store uh, convenience yeah. store they were they supplied my needs <laughs> <laughs> well, well, then again, you also have the the inventory issue, right? You got to carry around this inventory, <laughs> which which can make you a target for uh, not necessarily other kids, but for teachers getting you in trouble. Both, and I'm grateful for my uh, Dane, one of my buddies, Dane. He uh, he, uh, at one point, everyone like knew me. I, I affiliated with you know everyone, and they knew that I was the the source. So you can't really get rid of your <laughs> source guy. You can't you know mess up his stuff. <laughs> But um, still yet, you know, one folks are joking around one day, but Dane came in and came in and said, he's a bigger guy. He's like, hey, leave him alone. Stop messing with my buddy, my friend. And, and that's cool. So people didn't mess with me. Uh, so business went on. There you go. There you go. It's all, it's always good to have protection for the business. Uh, you got to. Especially <laughs> Whatever when you're means talking necessary. about elementary school. <laughs> so you said, um, it sounds like there were entrepreneurs in your family as well. Like. Yeah. You know, talk about that a little bit. Like, you know, how early was it that you saw uh, family members and, and wh what were they doing uh, entrepreneurially? Yeah. So from a very young age, my mom and dad separated when I was a kid, but my dad in Jamaica was uh, decent. Uh, I would say, well, it was he was a successful entrepreneur. Um, he had a cesspool or company um, and he also had a um, like a, a shop area and a, a place where you can have like, you know, outdoor convenient uh, events and concerts and um, had a blueprinting company. So he was very entrepreneurial by nature by that. So it was, it was in my blood because everyone in the community, all the friends, everyone that knew me and knew my dad, they were like, Hey, you know, you're going to be like your dad, you're going to in inherit this empire empire and, and so forth. And, and I just kept going around that, uh, that belief system. Um, then my aunt, she came to the U.S. and she would buy products and service and, and excuse me, buy products and uh, you know consumable products and consum consumer good products, bring them back to this uh, to Jamaica and sell them at a margin. Um, and then also my mom even dabbled in having a convenience store. If you're familiar with the islands or you know most of the countries, they have these convenience stores or little tiendas, um, so to speak, at their houses. And we, had, my mom, had one of those. So everywhere. I saw even like the neighbor friends who sold peanuts in the evenings and drove around, rode his, uh, this bicycle around that would roast peanuts. Like that's how you made money. It's not like, let me go pull out his resume on Indeed and expect to find a job. You make something happen. So that was the culture that I grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so fast forward, um, yep. you're working and then, you know, you launch this podcast and then you go full time um, and kind of, you know, pull the ripcord and, and you're doing this on your own. Um, 
what were you thinking uh, when you decided to make that decision? Like what scared you? What fears did you have? You know, a lot of times um, people have those fears and we don't talk about them necessarily, but we, we all have fears um, when we're doing this because there, you know, it feels like there's no safety net. And I, I kind of argue against that a little bit. I, I feel like entrepreneurship is a safer way uh, of working because nobody can fire you. But what fears did you have when you got this going? So we were in an interesting uh, a situation. I say we because I, my wife and I had gotten married um, in 2013, um, started a podcast in 2012, 2015. I decided to leave a full-time gig. Um, but in that, in that, the fear was that was, you know, we're trying to figure out life. We want to maybe purchase a house. Um, you know, kids was going to be in the future. And, you know, we know that was something that we we're going to you know look at. Um, my family, when my, when we moved to the States, that was a one thing that was lingering in my head. And this, I know this is not a therapy session now, but <laughs> my, um, so since my mom and dad separated when I was a young kid coming to the States, my mom was single parent and we, you know, she just went along with like, you know, she had family, we had family here in West Palm and, and whatnot, um, went on her own eventually. And she had her place with us. And, um, my stepdad came in the picture. He was abusive, um, went out of the picture financially. We struggled. Mom, um, ended up losing, we lost the apartment. I was in high school at this point, younger brother and sister. And, I live with a friend while they live with a, fa a family member. And I just thought about that, Sanjay. And I remember like being in that hopeless position. And I was like, what am I doing when I was jumping out? Am I going to put my family, my wife now, and I in a situation like that where we could be homeless? And I would never want that to happen. So that was fear that nagged me. Could this work? Would people want to continue to buy from, you know, buy services from me? And again, we did this. I made this decision because of several reasons, there was a guy that we followed. I can't remember his name now, this podcaster, but he said that he and his wife, when they did a business, when he did a business, uh, any of his businesses, it was like, she had several stipulations. And she was like, one, you have to be making money, X amount of dollars consistently. So they figured out what that money was and as a family and had to be consistent at least three months in a row. Um, and then two, they had to be, um, he had to have time to, you know, still take care of the deal's responsibility because she had, they had like three kids. So they're like, I need help with the kids. So you can get up whatever time you want, but I need you at present at seven o'clock. Help me get these kids out the gate at the school. And yep. I need your help by two thirty, three o'clock and whatever. And then after that, you can do. So they had some rules that they put in place, but that financial one though, of understanding, having money, um, being consistent and having savings and we had that in place, whereas Christina and I with two salaries, and I was in a sales salary as well, so um, plus commission. So it wasn't we weren't hurting at all. Right. Um, so that front was it was scary to think that something bad could happen, but we did have safety nets, quote unquote, yeah. Um, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, um, I, I I very much feel kind of your story uh, when I quit my job. Um, well, when I came up with the idea that started my first company, it was a month before we closed on our first house, um, which, uh, yeah, then, then about nine months later I quit and went kind of all in on my first company. Um, and I was mainly the only one making money. I, I actually, I think my wife was working at that point too. Um, so we had two, but, uh, then we went to kind of one and a half salaries because I was making less, but um, it, it really does drive you. And, and so mm -hmm. um, the point of me telling you that story is, is, is in those early days, 
was that the thing that drove you like that, uh, making sure that you don't lose the house, you don't, you know, end up in, in a worse situation. Um, or was it something else that drove you to make sure that you succeeded? Yeah, it was two parts. Um, one, I, I wanted to make sure that we, we were taken care of financially and uh-huh. I never wanted my, that, that early experience from high school, um, gave me that feeling that I never want my family to be in a situation like that again. It motivated me and pushed me, drive me. Um, but two, I had a bigger vision than that though, because I want to be, I wanted to get to that point where I you know, deemed as successful in college and a white, I was a big whiteboarder. I still am. But in, in college, I whiteboarded like a career path and um, I careered, I, I whiteboarded that I wanted to start, do a startup after a while, uh, being out in the business world or go to MBA, go for my MBA and to create this business and have it, you know, develop and grow. And literally it was at the time point, it was, that's what started happening. So it was like the startup, let's not go for an MBA at this point that, you know, and it wasn't like, I didn't, I mean, let's not say a startup it was like a lifestyle business at that time. You know what I mean? <laughs> because it was taking care of our stuff and it was doing well. And, and then I didn't really put like business practices behind it, like real big business practices. Um, but the point though was I, um, it it may, I had this vision of being uh, an entrepreneur, being a successful entrepreneur, and that just kept me um, going. And also just being able to be in a position where I can help my family, where we never have to worry, and and, and so forth. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox, committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So let's um, kind of change gears a little bit on on this um, and talk about the other side of this is that, you know, starting your own thing like this is is a lot of stress. Um, And, you know, you end up working a lot. uh, And how do you kind of manage that for yourself uh, between the business side of it and then family, friends, you know, the other things that that are in life um, that are important to you. Um, how do you think about that? How do you manage the stress of it all for you? Yeah, um, I, and I don't think I'm perfect at this by far. Um, and one of the things that I do strive to do is exercise. That helps me out a lot. Um, I know when I exercise, I get my, some of my best ideas as well. So it reduces the, the stress level. Um, two getting competent people uh, to work with uh, people who can you know really help out and to solve problems and one of the things that i look at is can someone help solve a problem independent of me doing that uh, solving that problem for them um philosophy that we strive by is act rather than be acted upon like can you do something what can you do on your own independent of me um doing that um so that was an important pa- uh, part of it and then also just like processes and procedures uh one what i saw that helped us to be able to have competent people to perform well in their role and to fulfill my expectation which may be high is the fact that i gave clear direction and we put processes in place so people can follow those directions and we can know what to do and um having that structure um, and that's where I said later on, we started putting structures, having those structures later on in the company helped me to be able to lower the stress level and was able to help me to do the things that I was you know, talented with, which is to go out and to be the face and to, to sell, so to speak, um, rather than being more 
uh, handcuffed administrative responsibilities. Yeah. So, um, so you got to that point, but then you decided, Hey, let's add one more thing to the pile. Uh, and you decided to write a book. Um, so as if all the other stuff wasn't enough. So what motivated you to write, um, the book? What was the, the reasoning? Why did it make sense at that point in time? Um, and what was your kind of, uh, because I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are, are thinking the same thing because everybody, at, I think at some point is thinking like, I should write a book. Um, mm-hmm. what, what motivated you to actually pull the trigger and do it? And what was your, was your hope in terms of outcome for you by writing that book? The, as far as it, a deep motivation was, um, you know, and, and I'm being very transparent here, um, but I'll probably say it's selfish. Um, it's credibility and vanity. Like I, I want to be known in my industry, um, as someone, and usually that has a book, uh, you, you know, if you're, especially if you, a book just kind of tells a lot, like this person, they have a book, his author, Donald Kelly, when you introduce it, it was like kind of cool <laughs> to be able to hear that. Um, so I'm being transparent, y'all. If you think I'm vain, call me and help me out. With it. But I, I, <laughs> So that was one part. Um, and two, the other side of that was legacy, because we, I have a, right now, because I started this book um, probably in 2015, a little bit after we, um, you know, I left a full-time gig. I was doing a lot of Toastmaster speaking and I went to the world championship for public speaking and, you know, all of the stuff. And um, I, my, my author, my, my, my publishing company at that point started flirting with us and they said, all right, get us a manuscript. One of my buddies wrote a book with them, Sound Wisdom, and they, they introduced us and we courted. But I started doing a, a manuscript and it was just purely sound. It was like one of those, any book you could find like on a bookshelf for sales. And it was like, my, so later on, I was part of a mastermind and one of these guys is a book coach in a mastermind. And we did a, a he did, you know, just was four of us in this mastermind. So he did a, a helped us out, uh, four of us to write books. Um, and it just made sense. So I showed him, I was like, yeah, I started a book. Here's my manuscript. And he was like, you want me an honest opinion? I was like, yeah. And he's like, this is not you, throw it away. Let's do it over. And I was like, you're kidding me, man. I've been working on this thing for like two years at this point. And he was like, I'm just telling you the truth. Um, so yeah. then kind of started over the process. And then he asked me that story. He was like, tell me your first time you made a sale, Donald. What was the first thing you told you sold? And I was like, well, um, I remember wanting to get this, you know, this toy for Christmas. So I started to try to sell mangoes in Jamaica. And then we started going on a path. And he's like, oh my goodness, this is good. Let's flush this out. So we mind mapped that. And it, um, we developed sell it like a mango um, at that point. And it was like, you know, whatever you sell, whether it's books or cars or houses or software or, you know, any type of service, you're going to have multiple people selling the same exact product you're selling. Like I had in Jamaica, there were other people selling mangoes. It wasn't like the mangoes coming from Indonesia. The mangoes were coming from the same region. But what made one person more successful than I was trying to sell mangoes? And it was, it was, came back down to the individual and any software sales rep who was selling software, you know, the same thing. You have people who are competitor software going to be pretty much the same thing. Um, but what's going to separate you. And, um, that's when the book developed. So legacy for Caleb, which is our young, our son was like, you know, I want him to have something when, you know, when it's all said and done that, you know, dad had this and, um, and then also with, for the business purposes as well, to be able to have that as a, as a writing tool. And the third part is that I suck at writing. <laughs> um, and I really wanted to prove that wrong. And I'm truth with that, man. I, I just hated writing. And I always taught my, told myself, I want to, if I'm not, if I'm not good at it, let's figure out a way to improve on it. Um, and it's, you don't have to deal with all of your weaknesses, but that's one area I wanted to improve on. 
So um, I wrote, I went to work and wrote it and got editors and editors edited it before the editors edited it. And uh, it was uh, turned out to be a, a, a good product. Um, and since then, I've written with my co-author uh, two sales textbooks that are, you know, next one is being published right now. One of them is in universities, about 50 universities across the country and a sales planner. So somebody who suck at writing, who can't write in a few years had four publications. So go figure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so clearly it has helped your uh, ability to write. Um, was there anything that you did in particular, or was it just the act of writing that, that improved it? Or, or was there some manual or book or something that you leveraged to, to help yourself uh, improve your writing skills? So um, big shout out to Hazul uh, um, Tehran. Um, you can uh, have him. Uh, you can find him on LinkedIn. But my, I can get you his full name too. But Hazul, um, he uh, he was my book coach, and he literally just like worked with me um, and would just did it in bite sized chunk, um, brain mapped, micro, uh, you know, broke it down into micro micro bite sized chunks, and um, just worked on it little by little. And then to one of the hacks that I did before I, I would write some and then I would go run and I had these zone of geniuses after, you know, mind mapping. And I just pulled out, thank you, Google, Google, um, on my phone, Google word, uh, doc. And with, uh, the, um, the, the, the talking feature, the Google voice there yeah. and just voice transcribed and then cleaned it up when I got back to the house or sometimes when I would drive, I would literally, speak out like a section and then go back to the house and just because if I did it in that sense, think about like a blog post and just right. take small pieces at a time, I could finish a section, you know, several sections, make up a chapter, several chapters, make up a, you know, eventually a book. Um, so I, I've got to ask you, so you're, you're thinking of these things while you're out for a run. Um, while you're running, are you listening to anything? Are you listening to music, podcasts music. or anything else? Or are you letting your mind just kind of zone out? Yeah, I, I'm not. I zone both. I will zone out in music. Um, so I typically had my little playlist, and I would go and zone out in music, or I would zone out listening to uh, podcasts, like how I built this or um, uh, uh, Business Wars. Um, those are my. I can do those two while I run and still think because um, ideas come, and and a lot of time was music, but rarely it was like just not listening to anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So let's um, uh, switch to some advice uh, for our listeners. Um, do you have any kind of technology app systems that you've implemented that you'd recommend that have helped you out tremendously as kind of you scale this business as, as well as just, you know, working on day-to-day -day life? Yeah, Nancy, my team member. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a team member. She's awesome. So thanks, Nancy. Um, Maureen, another one of our team members are awesome too. But as far as on a serious side, the, as far as software um, is concerned, I, I'm a big firm and it just come from a, the business side and then come back for sales, like for the accounting, try to do that on my own. And then I, I tortured my dear wife. So sorry, Christina. Um, the first year trying to do the taxes at the end of the year. And I mean, the, the numbers and bookkeeping. Um, then I hired someone that I knew from church to kind of help out. And that was good. But the relationship side just kind of made it funky where it wasn't just being done on time. And there right. weren't, it wasn't, it wasn't, prof it wasn't as professional as I needed it to be. 
but bench was came in a picture and that was amazing um so b-e-n-c-h but bench is great um but that software is fantastic with doing all of the books uh, prepping everything for my accountant and ended the year um trello we're a big trello shop um in that sense so organizing projects for our marketing team then the sales uh um you know just uh, operation task wise um and then obviously like slack is there that we we're big believers in that we utilize um, but with that idea of um, being on track and then we are google suite shop as well so we everything with the google suite we utilize so those things operational wise kind of helps us to be able to stay on track stay organized um and to keep going from the sales stack i mean there's a lot more that i can go into but linkedin is probably the biggest secret weapon that i have on that front and apollo.io where we utilize to um send out our emails gather information from our prospects um get direct dial phone numbers and to um uh interact for crm active campaign is from the marketing standpoint and our sales to help out with some of the automation there yeah yeah okay um i think those are those are great tips uh hopefully listeners will be able to catch some of those and and start playing with some of those um uh but they can always call you i guess if if they need help with, uh, <laughs> with sales coaching um but now let's let's uh do like a little bit of a retrospective um so you've been doing this now for a, a good number of years um Thinking back, what was something that happened that now you'd be like, man, I would have done that differently. You're like knowing what I know now, um, what would you have done differently? And you, and you can go back all the way to the mango selling days if if, if it applies <laughs> to that, right? Like I, I wouldn't have done mangoes. I would have done pineapples. Like, or, you know, wh whatever it is, like wh what would you have done differently? Um, I would have sold. And, uh, and I was, I'm a marketing so I'm a marketing uh, discipline from college. As a salesperson, you give me a product, Sanjay, and I could sell your product and I can sell your service. When it came to the business, I made a fatal mistake. And that's why, again, I said at the beginning, I had the podcast and the podcast was getting us opportunities where people would reach out and didn't have to do too much and got coaching clients and opportunities came from that. But I did not blitz out the gate with hunting net new opportunities as much because I had stuff that were coming in. And because of that, you had the, the zigs and the zags and the lulls. And we know that outbound grows companies. It was very tempting to feel productive and doing sales stuff when I was doing the marketing pieces. Spending time updating the website, putting like a little funnel in place or creating this type of little, you know, uh, opt-ins and, you know, doing some of these things. They were needed, but did I need to do those? No, but I hid behind that. And because it was, and ultimately, again, therapy session, I felt inferior. And this is where it comes back with the book, right? So everybody has uh, those complex. <laughs> I felt inferior to some of these other folks in our industry who had big names and a little bit more, you know, gray hair and a little bit more expertise in their underneath their belt, so to speak. Um, and I didn't feel that I could serve some of these big companies. So I didn't reach out to them. I just figured I'll wait for people to come to me. Um, so it was harder to sell myself, Sanjay, than it was to sell a product. I would sell software, some of the biggest government organizations, as well as to some of the companies out there. But when it came to selling myself, 
I was self-conscious about that, even though people were seeing amazing results from what I was doing. Um, and uh, that was uh, a, a lot of that was what held me back. So if I would go back and I would tell any entrepreneur, I tell people this all the time, people don't know what you have to offer until they know what you have to offer. Yeah. So you need to go out and you need to be the best salesperson. You can't delegate. You can you can consult with my company and you can, you know, you, you can get me to come and help you, but you need to be, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be the number one salesperson in your organization because nobody's going to sell like you. And once I turned that turbo on and started selling, it made a world of difference. Yeah. It, it, it sounds like you're the classic, um, what we always talk about in terms of a sales organization, people that are either farmers or they're hunters. And it sounds mm -hmm. like you sat there being a farmer for a very long time until you mm -hmm. realized that you needed to actually go out and be a hunter. Yeah. yeah. It needed like it, in, in, in my, in, in, in my uh, software sales role, I was a hunter, but then I came into the running the business and I just made excuses and saying yeah. the first excuse was, yeah, I, I have opportunities coming, false security. Things were coming in the gate. And two, I need to help run the business. But then three, ultimately I was scared of selling myself. Um, yeah. And then four, when I finally did that, it just made differences. Yeah. And, and I think what you uh, have lived through and experienced is not an unusual thing for a lot of entrepreneurs um, because we're, we're worried about, well, it's not the right time yet to sell, right? Yeah. It, it, it's too early. Everything is not perfect. Um, and, and people will, people won't buy because perfect. everything isn't perfect. <laughs> and, and honestly, if it, if it's not perfect, um, and they're not buying, it's not because it's not perfect. It's because you're selling something they don't need. Right. And even when it's imperfect, if you're selling something people need, they'll, they'll buy it. So you need to just get out there and sell it. <laughs> Man, no wiser words I've heard all day today. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's get some wise words from you. Um, so we've got a lot of listeners that um, either have a side hustle or are thinking about launching a side hustle um, and the ones that already have a side hustle are thinking about maybe going full-time into it. What advice would you give to somebody like that about going after and you know, chasing their side hustle or making it into a, a full-time business? The first thing I would say right now, while you're in the side hustle, it's the perfect incubator. Um, because if you're generating some kind of revenue, um, go back to that, ex that's, that example. I'll give you even, I'll, I'll tell you the number, I don't care. Um, at that point, it was before we purchased, you know, before we, this was early days, we were renting, my wife and I, and it was, uh, rent was like a little bit over a grand. It was like 12, uh, 10, 50, 1100 bucks. She said, uh -huh. if you could bring home $1,100 consistently every month, she was working as well from your side hustle. I know there's something there consistently and not right. just sporadic once every, you know, several months you get a little gig. And I was like, all right, that's doable. So started really focusing and started doing that. And that started coming in and then started getting more of the coaching opportunities and speaking opportunities. And then I was traveling. She was like, all right. And I was using up all my vacation days <laughs> as a sales rep and doing the side hustle. And she was like, all right, uh, something's got to give here. Um, I want to go on vacation. <laughs> so, um, so she was like, then, I'm not going on vacation yeah. by myself. You're, you're coming <laughs> with me. So this is not going to work. <laughs> so you got to make... So you got to make sure you figure out what that number is. So that was a bare minimum. Um, 
everything else was again we had savings we had debt free and and so forth um, but she said take care of that and i was like all right cool we can do that um so set a certain number and then you can obviously increase on that number obviously if, when we have you know kids that's a whole different number that number would have changed drastically right um but it was where we were at that time so it was it was it was a, it was it was okay to start with that but find that number make it consistent um, and then what what's going to happen to make you go consistent is that you're going to need to put processes in place if you're going to be able to close deals consistently every month. And that's the next step. That's the fuel, right? Identify that goal, then start putting the processes in place. And then here's the other part. You're going to tell yourself you don't have money for this, but find out what you need to do and what you don't have to do. And then those things that you don't have to do get, you know, upwork people to help you out. It's okay to do that. Um, you can afford it because that then you can focus more so on the things that's going to be money generating opportunities. Um, and, and then a final part is that is to, once you figure out and you have the benchmark that those numbers made, you have the processes in place and you can have some, a little bit of assistance to help you out with some of the things that you don't need to do. You just start going ham, go all in on selling before and don't make the mistake that I did. You need to make sure that you're generating good revenue again before you jump out because as soon as you jump out, you're going to want to get that Donald position where you're like, oh, I got opportunities coming. I don't need to do anything, but you need to sell and you need to always sell. And if you can do that, you know, sky's the limit. Opportunity, no, it's not. Sky's beyond the limit. You have way more. <laughs> you got, you got space keeps going. So there's infinite opportunities. So so keep keep shooting higher and higher, not not just for higher the sky. I like it. I like it. Shoot for Donald, Alpha Centauri and then the next galaxy. There's always somewhere else to go. <laughs> there's there's always another star that's further away. So just just keep going. Uh, Donald, this has been fantastic. Um, where can our listeners find and connect with you? Yeah, I'm on every platform as Donald C. Kelly. So you can find me on uh, LinkedIn is where I camp out the most, Donald C. Kelly. You can find me on Instagram, Donald C. Kelly. Um, if you want to get some free sales training tips and uh, uh, courses that we have and assets, go to the salesevangelist.com. At the bottom of the page there, you'll see some uh, free training that we have. And we have a resource tab where you can get some stuff. And then we have a podcast with over 1,600 episodes. So you can find whatever your little heart desire when it comes to sales on that. <laughs> whatever problem you've got, there's probably an episode there for you. Probably a sales. Yeah, we probably got an episode around the sales problem yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thanks again for coming on, Donald. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I would just tell all your audience member, if you're listening to this, you enjoy this podcast. The key here, um, I do a podcast myself. You got to go leave a rating and review and take this link and share it with one other person because Sanjay's going to tell you to do it. But when you get an outsider like me to come and tell you, it's a different story because you, I validate his message and it's true. So please take this link, share it and leave him amazing raving, uh, review. It will go a very long way. I so. appreciate that. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business Podcast, powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit hiscox.com. That's H-I-S-C-O-X.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parikh. You can find me on Twitter at, at Sanjay, that's S-A-N-J-A-Y, or on my website at sanjayparek.com.